Good morning. My name is Lily Polniak, and I'm a worship intern here at Marion Methodist. Before I get started, I'd like to thank Jared for assigning me these verses. Please join me in the reading of Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were from the Judah, or some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Would you please pray with me? Lord, as we are gathered here today at Marion Methodist, we pray we don't only hear about you, but we feel you, and leave today with something new on our hearts and minds. We pray for Pastor Mike and what he has prepared for us today. May you speak through him in every way. Amen. FYI, she got them all right. Yeah. Well done, Lily. Well done, Lily. That's, uh, that's really no small accomplishment to take those Hebrew names and read them in English. So, yay. Hey, um, good morning. I want to welcome all of you here. And those of you on the church online, we do have something, little instructions we'll give to the church online a little bit later on uh, during this time. And as Vicki mentioned, um, in two weeks' time, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, so, of course, we want lots of soup and want you to give permission to dress down. Unless you wear a Cowboys jersey, then obviously you'd be dressing up. Um, 
<laughs> probably masquerading as I'm, anyway. But if you have a Cubs jersey or a Sox jersey or something like that, or I'm sure Gonzo will wear his Argentinian soccer jersey because he thinks football is that. Um, just kidding. Um, but let's have some fun and come cheer your team. If you don't have a team, you know, and you're into something like the Arbor Day Foundation, put a sweatshirt on and wear that as well. Now, um, we come to the, the last of these sermons called Winning the Battle Within. And, and I want to tell you that, that this sermon is going to be more pastoral, kind of a batting practice uh, fastball, 65 miles an hour down the middle of your plate, because this whole series has been, um, our aim has been to give spiritual guidance to your battles within. And this morning we're going to conclude, as you can see, something's different here. We're going to conclude with a demonstrative opportunity for you to name your battle, for you to claim Jesus' power over it, and for you to lay it at the foot of the cross. And if you want to, take some time at the communion rail. And I will give you this covenant promise. Um, your pastor, as early as this afternoon, is going to pray through all of these um, your leadership team in the church will pray through all of them, and our prayer team will pray them on Thursday. So here we go. So here's the baseline for where we've been and where we're going uh, this January. Why should I trust God when my life falls apart? That's really where we've been. Do you know a person or family that's had every wheel of their life fall off? I mean, where everything just fell apart for them? Or maybe is that you? Maybe now or in some times past? See, we, we, when these things happen, when we see them around us, um, I always go to the scriptures and there is some significant biblical encouragement and I'm just gonna cite a few. Of course, we know the story about Job. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but Job was a guy who literally had everything and God, he didn't lose everything. God took it away from him, took his health, took his uh, wealth, took his family. All of Job's wheels fell off and Job stayed faithful to God. There's Daniel who, uh, don't miss this, Daniel had all the wheels of his life taken on. He was taken from his home to a place very far away, taught a different language, and given a different name. And yet he stayed faithful to the Lord. There's Paul, the Apostle Paul, who, who is, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit and, and preaching everywhere. And in one place, people start calling him Hermes and, and, and Barnabas Zeus because they have such power. And, and they say, no, 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 we're just human beings. But the elders came and said, beat them up and throw them out. And so they leave that town. And the very next day, they go to another town where kind of the same thing happens, except this time the elders convince them to stone Paul. They think he's dead, drag him outside the city, leave him there but of course he's not dead but certainly all the wheels had fallen off of where they were all of them trusted God to handle their most difficult circumstances and situation all of them trusted God in their most difficult moments now I know because of where we are and because I know so many of you that it is human and I know myself it is human to lose sight of trusting God in the midst of our most fearful and uncertain circumstances. We ask ourselves, can I, can we trust God moving forward when our lives can be falling apart? So this morning, I just came by to give you three pieces of encouragement to lay into when you have prayed, when you have efforted, 
And God's silence is deafening in your ears and in your heart. So first, we have to acknowledge Jesus' words, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. When, when, the, when the rumbles of pain move through us, and they do, we oftentimes forget that Jesus made this promise. There's gonna be times when it's gonna be hard and then others when it's very hard being a human being because our experience can violently oppose what we feel we've built our lives on as faithful people. We, we were told and we've efforted to be faithful to our spouse and they still slip out or add a third person to our relationship. We've been told and we've efforted to serve God and cancer still can erupt in, in our spirit. We've, told, we've been told that if you work hard and you do a good job, things will be good and still some of us get laid off because of economic conditions or other things. And we have efforted, many of us, some of us, here and away from here, to be good parents, to, 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 to love our kids, to be in relationship with them, and still when they become adults, they remove themselves from us. And be encouraged that Job and Daniel and Paul before us were faithful and they knew this and they were faithful when there was no end to the trouble. They had no sight of the end of the trouble. You know, it's kind of like, um, I, you know, I, I like movies and Roy Hobbs in The Natural. I know that's several generations ago. But when being asked by a reporter, this Roy Hobbs guy had kind of slipped away from public consciousness. Roy says, the, the reporter says, Roy, what happened to you? And he just simply looks right at the guy and says, you know, life just didn't work out the way I thought it would. Because trouble came in. And we're going to experience trouble too. God will not always do what we need or want or expect him to do. And many of us, in seeking acceptance, uh, you know, assurance in the uncertainty of life, attempt to force fit the God of the universe into a tidy box small enough to meet our needs. It's a temptation for you and for me. It's a temptation that's understandable because in our battle, we want to do that. We want to get a God that we can relate to that will do what we feel like we need. But when we do so, we strip away the power of God. We strip away the mystery of God and make the God of the universe the one who truly can bring us peace and security smaller. So let's work not to do that. Do not domesticate God, secondly. Do not domesticate God. We do not want a tamer, more predictable God. We do not. We do not want a God who's obedient to our desires. We do not need a God who plays by the rules that we set out. We need a God that's over and above, over and beyond our cognitive abilities, our emotional strengths. We need a God that, ex that understands and can see from beginning past the end of human lifespans. Uh, that's why God says to Isaiah, Isaiah these, these are in 55, Isaiah 55, if you want to check them out or look at them again this morning. 
I, God says to Isaiah, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. You know, as a human being, I say, thank God. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Not, not just to understand, but imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God in his wisdom and the wealth of his being will not always do what we expect. And this is where some of the tension comes in because the idea of following him into an unknown path is frightening, especially when the hands that we're holding into that path are the very same hands that allowed us to become into this danger, to come into that circumstance. They're the very same hands. And here's the witness of Daniel. Now, we don't want to mince words here. Daniel was abducted. You understand that. Daniel was here. He was happy where he was at. God allowed, and that's the first sentence or so of the scripture Lily read, God allowed Israel to be overcome by Nebuchadnezzar and his forces, and he allowed Daniel to be transported, abducted from here, from Jerusalem, over to Babylon. And once in Babylon, Daniel made the choice to be obedient and faithful to God in the face of any unknown outcome. I mean, he had no idea what these people that spoke a different language and lived different cultures were going to do to him. And Daniel was blessed beyond measure by staying faithful to God in the midst of all that uncertainty. I, I years ago, a long time ago, I, I've got the pleasure and to be in a small group uh, with a guy named Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete Maravich. If you don't know who that is, that's who Caitlin Clark is chasing to become the all-time leading scorer in college. Uh, 3,600 and some points Pete Maravich scored. But Pete Maravich is one of those guys played in the NBA and all that kind of stuff. But this is what he said, and I, I remembered a lot of it, but I read the rest of it this week to make sure I got it right. In the complicated mess and hurtful mess that my life was, I tried everything. Maravich speaking. I tried drugs. I tried transcendental meditation. I tried a wealth of the world religion, and nothing gave me peace or rest and I was searching and searching. And people kept telling me to just trust Jesus. And so I thought to myself one day, maybe it is as simple tr as trusting Jesus to lead me on a path into the unknown that will grant me peace. And it was. And it was. This greatly disrupted soul this greatly broken human being. He had wealth and riches and women and all that kind of stuff, but he was completely battling that was within him, and it was when Pete Maravich trusted Jesus that he found peace, and the same is available to us. If we read the scriptures, and we do, if we focus on Christ, we will be led to understand that this pain, that that we're standing into, maybe neck deep, maybe waist deep, this circumstance is not our end. This is not where it comes to a conclusion. There is good ahead. So keep following Jesus, and he will lead you there, and he will be there when you get there. Trust me, says Jesus, because your mess has no power over me. That's the most important line maybe I'm going to say today. Our mess has no power over God. It does not blind God to your potential, nor does it weaken his fidelity to you. So thirdly, trust that our messy life does not weaken God's abilities and faithfulness. Maybe, I don't know, 
Maybe you've unwittingly or unknowingly planted yourself in pain. It's easy to do that. It's easy to do that in a volatile place of spiritual, emotional, or physical unrest. And when it's hard to reconcile with a good God, remember this, the Christian life is a paradox. That doesn't sound hopeful until you hear the rest. The Christian life is a paradox. It is a binary experience. We have grief from our pain on this hand and joy for Christ, from Christ's redemption on this hand. We have our natural human lives on this hand and the presence of the supernatural Christ on the other. We have our mortality that means our lives are finite. They have a beginning and an end in our physical nature. And on the other hand, we have this immortal life that goes forever when we receive Christ as our Lord. It's a paradox that works. This is the goodness of God. We're promised the negative side. Jesus himself promised the negative side. We were promised the, the messy stuff that we do not understand. And in the midst of it, we will be met with his presence. His joy will collide with our weeping. The morning will collide with the night. And God's grace collides with our ache. We can believe this. We cannot expect to make sense of what God is doing in the presence. But we can hold on to the promise that God has great things in store for us in the future in this world or in the life to come. You know, I have leaned into Romans 8 so many times to assure myself in the midst of the mess. Romans 8, 28 says this, all things work together for good. I'm like, this? This is somehow working for good? No, there's a comma here. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. All things, even our messy circumstances, even our unrest, even our brokenness, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. The pain of our present and our past is an opportunity to see God's power. We have to embrace this. This is what Daniel did. That's what Job did. That's what Paul did. They took the pain of their present and their past to see God's power. So hear this. You don't have to hear much more today. And we've allotted minutes to do something else here at the end. Hear this. God is not done with you. I promise. He's here even when we're on the verge of saying, I am done. He's, he's here with us on the verge of our moments of saying, I give up. Forget all this. He's on the verge of our giving up, offering us hope in a future known to him, unseen by us, because God is not done with you. He promises that. Lean into him today. So we're going to take a few moments. we just right on time where we want to be. We're going to take a time to ask God for healing. And so um, I want you to take the paper that was given to you a few moments ago and just hold on to it for a second. Let me give you some direction. Um, with this paper, we're going to take time to demonstrate our faith. Now, I do want to note this. Your instinct to resist this. And if I was sitting where you are, I would be one resisting this. I promised myself that. I know it to be true. I know who I am. I don't like to be emotional. I don't like to be out there, right? And I know that if my instinct to resist this was, it meant probably that I needed this as much as anyone. 
So I encourage you to, to listen to the process. Here's what we're going to do. Um, we ask you and encourage you to write what you desire healing from, whether it's the battle in your life or something else. And in a moment, not quite yet, I'll encourage you to bring them forward and, and lay them in, in the uh, rectangle baskets that are here beside the crosses at the end of, of, of each aisle. And I'm going to remind you that you can kneel and pray for as long as you'd like. And those of you that are in Mason City or Colorado Springs or uh, I know a couple of you in South Florida that are worshiping with us online today or another time, you can fire us back in the chat box or you can send us an email or put it on the prayer wall. Uh, we have several from the first service that, that use the digital media that you're already in so we encourage you uh, to do that and, and of course that if you have offerings there's, there's um, uh, wicker baskets for that if you get them wrong my team will sort it out so we're going to take a minute and we're going to encourage you to, to write your, your request for healing and the purpose of this is pretty simple first you have to name it sometimes to get healed you have to say this is what I need this is what I have and as you name it at the same time, when you lay it in these boxes, you are going to claim Jesus' power over it, and you're, and you're requesting others to pray for it because I, I mentioned that. We're going to pray through all of these this week, and I'm going to pray through them yet today. So, so after this prayer, I encourage you to deliver these to the cross when you're ready. Um, but now, would you just pray with me? Let's, let's have our hearts come together. Almighty God, we pray that our brothers and sisters may be comforted in their suffering and be made whole. When they're afraid, give them courage. When they feel weak, grant them your strength. When they're afflicted, afford them your patience. And when they are lost, offer them hope. When they're alone, move us to their side. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.